Welcome to the Revolve Recap Weekly Podcast, where we help the members of Revolve Church deepen their connection to God, His family, and His mission. This is David McCumber. This is Bill. This is Bill Lackey. Here I am. All right. Thank you for joining us, and we're going to get recapping. Here we go, Bill. Episode five. What's happening? Five. Man. Episode five. So like in Star Wars world, this would be The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. It was good, but I have to admit, I liked it more when they redid them. Remember when they redid them? We were probably... I was in... Yeah, we were in high school. Mm -hmm. I was probably like a sophomore or something like that. Yeah. I liked the new Empire Strikes Back more than the old one. I don't remember why. Oh, man. As an artist, I could get I could get I don't want to this. David wouldn't even put a case on his iPhone because it would ruin the artistry. Yeah. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't design it to well, perfection. Steve Jobs could get a new iPhone every time he broke his. Well, good for him. <laughs> All right. So um, question of the day or it's, overview the video? What do you want to do first? Well, overview. Okay. What, why are people even here? Why should they stay? For the I mean, they're a minute and a half in. Okay, right, well, is... listen, the, this is all about keeping you guys in the loop. That's one of the obvious things. But also, you know, we, there's no way you can cover everything you want to cover on Sunday. And discipleship and community and communication, encouragement, all those things, they don't just happen one hour a week. It should happen yeah. throughout the day. And so in this media-driven world, David, this is yeah. just one tool because we used to just sit outside by the park benches and wait for people from Revolve to come by and talk about this stuff, but nobody came. And so now we got to do a podcast. Well, we do have this monstrous machine that is called Revolve Church that we just have to let keep you guys chugging know. along. I mean, yep. when you have, it's like a behemoth of a, anyway. All right. What's the question of the day? The question of the day is actually pretty heavy. Last week's was heavy. I know, but there is, I don't make them up. This is All from right. the Day One Journaling app. Sponsor. Okay. They didn't sponsor. I was just joking. Okay, the question is this. What are you missing by choosing to worry or be afraid? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I'm like uh, the guy from Mad Magazine. What was his name? I don't know. That was his, the like his, The guy was his thing. Who, me? Worry? That was like his thing he always said. Oh. Well... What am I missing out by? What was it? Worrying? What are you missing out? What are you? Uh, what are you missing by choosing to worry or be afraid? Well, wow. I don't worry, Bill. I don't worry. I don't. I'm not afraid. Are you afraid? I don't. I don't. That's. I don't like this one. I. I'll, I'll still answer it though. I'll say what am I. Well, obviously, if you're if you're being worried, you're wasting time in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, if you're worrying about, like, say, I'm going to worry about what's going on, like Jesus says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. If I'm worrying about tomorrow, if I'm worrying about tomorrow, you don't get to enjoy today. You you've wasted time. Like, we could sit and we could talk, and yeah. we could worry and hy- hypothesize sitting on a park bench about what's going to happen tomorrow. And Jesus could come back tonight. Yep. And we missed everything that's going on. We missed encouraging one another. We missed... Hanging out on the stoop. Yeah. By just filling that time with worry. That's good. And that's why I don't I don't watch the news. Yeah. Bill is 
This is, and I'm not kidding about this. Bill is my source of the news. I'm a very trustworthy source. Yeah, he's always sending no spin, me links. No spin here, baby. He's always sending me links from Alex Jones and <laughs> all the. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so he's I'll, like, I'll check out what CNN has for me today, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I don't watch the news because in the early days of COVID, I was looking at the news every single day and just really getting yep. anxious. Yep, that's true. And I remember when David did this. And I just said, I'm going to stop watching the news. So Bill, and in all in all seriousness, Bill usually sent me an article from Babylon B, or Not the B. Oh, and he's I like, love read Not this. the B. Not the B is such a great website. Yeah. I wish they would sponsor us. Well, maybe they will. Um, so worry for me. Oh, man. You may be shocked to learn this, but before I was a believer, I had a serious worry problem. Really? Um, I used to be such a worrywart that if my mom was like, I'm going to be home by 3, if it was like from 2.55 on, I would be like sitting by the front window looking out. And if it was like 3.05, I was like, my mom's dead. Oh, my goodness. There, she's definitely dead. Wow. Or she's in a hospital. And then forget it. If it was like 3.20, I was like, I should probably call her school. Because she was a teacher. Wonder where she is. She's probably dead. Always assume the worst. Matter of fact, one time in high school, I had such, before I was a believer, I had such severe stress and worry issues that I, like, was physically sick for, like, seven or eight months. They, I had to go to the hospital. They had to do all this blood work on me and all these tests on me. And they couldn't find anything wrong. And they're basically like, it's all stress-induced. Oh my goodness! Yep. How old were you? I was. I mean, if, how old are you when you're a freshman? Fourteen, fifteen? That depends on how smart you are. I was a freshman when I was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast, guys. We're glad you're here. Yep. And so, um, yeah. Anyway. All right. So let's get. Let's look up. Let's, let's look get up. into our first uh, section. Looking up. How do we connect with God? Yesterday's sermon was good. It wasn't wasn't too too heavy. I thought it was a good uh, a good sermon talking about leadership. Talking about it was Leviticus twenty twenty one twenty one, and we talked about. I think the big takeaway for me was not even in leadership as being an elder or being a father, but really just the 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 difference we are supposed to have as being followers of Christ. Mm. Like, we're not to look like the world. And, you know, so whether that's leadership or whether that's that's anything, and it's like if you, if you look like the world, you may want to start doing some investigation because God has called us to set apart, and he sets us at a higher standard. Yeah. And people get hung up on... I don't want to say people. It's often... It can be stated, well, you know, we're... Uh, you know, we have grace and we have, uh, you know, the blood of Jesus and we don't have to, you know, people like to unhitch from the Old Testament or whatever. Yeah. But it really is. I mean, we are, we are called to be different. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. Um, Leviticus has been, some of the passages have been really easy to preach. 
Some of them have been um, like just really exciting to preach. Some of them are really tough. Yeah. I mean, how was yesterday? Yesterday was a, one of the harder ones. Really? Um, because it's you just have to. I think, and maybe some of it's some of it's maybe just worrying. Was it because of the smashed testicles verse? No. (laughs) I mean, because that was, I was reading that, and you you skimmed, like, right over it. Because I knew I was going to laugh. You were like, and I was like, how is he? He just went, he just went right over it. (laughs) It's a bad choice of words. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so I get that. I get that. There's a lot of, you know. Hunchback. Yeah, there was a lot of tough ones in that that passage. Yeah. Uh. It's like half the cast of Lord of the Rings you got rid of. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And it was very politically incorrect. I'm, I might get canceled. Yeah. I well, mean, there's a chance. I'm worried about it. <laughs> you are. You are worried. No, I think that what you said before is something that um, Gina keeps um, pointing out, and I think it's just really great point, is that um, – it is about like this. So much of this is about holiness and the idea of God's people should be different. They should be different. They should be different. And I think that that's something that we've kind of lost in our culture. Like it's fully, it, it, if you think about it, as a as a culture in America, we think about how can we make our churches more like the world so people will want to come. Yeah. Like it's so backwards. Yeah. God's word talks about making having the church be different from the world. And our churches and our culture, it's like, well, we want to look as much like the world as possible, but then just like back it off a bit. Yeah. It's, and that's all of these conversations, whether it's about homosexual um, pastors or whether it's about, you know, tolerating. Oh, you have churches who they don't even, they, for their missions, they don't support the gospel. They support like secular humanitarian. It's all about looking more like the world. So the world will find you attractive. But Jesus was never concerned with the world finding him attractive. He just... It talks about the holiness and being separate and set apart and how God is the one who is going to pull people and draw people, you know? Yeah, I think you made a good point there. Um, a lot of these humanitarian issues are biblical ideas and concepts that, that God wants us to participate in. Yeah. You know, justice and caring for the poor and, um, you know, striving for reconciliation and peace, but... When you, when like you said, when you choose to support that instead of supporting the local church or, or whatever, it, it it really is, you know, it just seems backwards. It's like God has called you to do this, right? As part of the body of Christ, you know. So ultimately, the gospel is what people need. So I remember talking with a pastor once, who's pastor of like a mega church, like they have like six campuses or something. I don't know what they have now post COVID, but. And he was, ta- I was, he was talking about his missions, and they were very focused on um, drilling wells. Like, that was their thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, um, him being asked, I didn't ask him. Uh, my friend asked him, you know, why do you do this? Because it wasn't, a, like, a Christian organization or anything like that. Um, and he basically said, it's easier to get people excited about a cause yeah. And we want people to get excited about a cause because then it unifies people, brings them together. And every part of me wanted to be like, like, maybe Jesus should be your cause. Yeah. Like maybe, yes, it's true that deprivation, like a lack of water is very serious. 
Um, more serious is gospel poverty, that people are dying, going to hell. That's more serious. And yeah. use water as a vehicle to share the gospel. Yeah. I think that's a good um, a good uh, way we'll, we'll end this part of the segment, but I think that's a good um, action step. Make Jesus your cause. Make if Jesus you're looking your for cause. a cause... Make Jesus your cause. Jesus is your cause. Yeah, it's good. I like Hadith sweatshirt. Team Jesus. Team Jesus. So that's your cause. Team Jesus. So, uh, all right. So we're going to do some Q&A. We didn't get a lot of Q&A this week uh, in regards to the sermon, so you must have just must have hit it out of the park. I, but we did get some Q&A. But maybe. I don't think that was it. But. Uh, okay. So we got some Q&A. And yes, we do. The first one is, what jobs will we have in heaven? Will we just worship all the time? Now, this was a discussion that came up in a discipleship group this week and yeah. got texted to us. So what are the jobs we're going to have in heaven, Bill? Influencer. Okay. Is on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just influencers. Just TikTok, like a bunch of TikTokers. TikTokers. YouTubers, okay. stuff like that. Now, so this is, um, I, I mean, okay, obviously I don't know what jobs we're going to have in heaven. Um, but what I can say is I think that this question underscores, because the question was actually twofold. It was what jobs will we have in heaven? Will we just worship all the time? So there's a couple of misconceptions about heaven that I think we should clear up as a baseline. First of all, the idea of dying and going to heaven is really... It's really not very biblical. You know, the idea is that, like, if I die today, my spirit goes to be with Jesus, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, right? Um, And then one day, Jesus, at the end, he has the resurrection, the final resurrection, where then I am resurrected in bodily form and my spirit and body are united. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We will be living on the earth. So we have like this pop culture idea where we say like, oh, you die and go to heaven. Like um, there's pearly gates, you get a wings. You get, you get wings, a, a cloud, a Peter's there. Yeah, right, that's kind of idea. And I think it, we need to understand that the idea is that you're going to die. You're then going to basically be with the Lord in spirit until the resurrection went the end of times, you know. And then God's going to remake the heavens and the earth. Then we're going to live on a new earth as if it was the perfect Eden, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of idea. And so it, you think of, well, what is, if we lived in Eden today, what jobs would we have? Yeah, I mean, Adam we was a gardener. Take, yeah, and he guarded, took, care of, took care of this, took care of that, you know, this sort of idea. And so I think, you, I think it's safe to say the jobs that we will have, quote, will be related to stewarding a perfect creation that is untarnished by sin. Mm-hmm. What those jobs are, I don't know. Will we have technology or will we just kind of live in a perfect garden utopia? I don't know. But we know that uh, it will be on a new earth. Yeah. So will we just worship all the time? So you have this idea in our minds of like, well, we're going to die and then we're going to go to the cloud kingdom and we're all just going to stand there. It's like a, it's like a Hillsong concert. It's a Hillsong concert. Yeah. Just, just Je- Jesus is on the stage. Yeah. Like, They're going to sing, I could sing real love forever. I could sing... <laughs> Forever and ever. I can Martin see Smith will forever. be there. It's good. Yeah, it's just David's going to be worship leading. Yeah. You know, not this David. King no, David. No, King David. King David. Yeah, you know, I got who wrote it. most of the Psalms. Uh-huh. Um, and people think, well, we're just going to like sing. And so the question of 
what jobs will we have in heaven? Will we just worship all the time? So the answer is yes, you will worship all the time, but you need to change your understanding of worship because worship never biblically is the idea of just singing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to do everything unto the Lord. If it, so John Piper famously has said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him. When we do anything to the glory of God, raising our kids, tending our garden, taking care of our bodies, you know, any of those kinds of things, you know, um, you know, preparing a meal, um, enjoying your spouse, these things are worship when they have the right posture of our heart. And, and when we don't have the right posture of our heart, they're still worship. They're just worshiping something that's not God, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea of every, you're worshiping all the time. And so even if you're a gardener, that is worship, right? And so will you worship all the time? Yes, because currently you're worshiping all the time. Yeah. Um, but your worship will finally be perfectly directed in an unceasing focus at the one who is worthy of all praise. Um, is there anything you think I missed that you would ask to follow up, clarify? I don't think so. I think you. I think you hit that pretty well. I think. I think it's just really it's un, undoing like cultural the, understanding. the pop culture understanding yeah. of, you know, the pearly gates and the streets of gold and right. You know, kind of the cherubs and all that. I mean, which is funny because you know when you the cherubim, uh, in pop culture, the cherubim are like the fat chubby yeah. angels with the bows. Yeah. But biblically, you know who the cherubim were? Are they the ones? Are they the ones with six wings and the? They're the ones with the flaming sword. Yeah. Like so, the cherubim are actually like these pretty terrifying BA guys, yeah. or angels. You know what I mean? Yeah. With uh, flaming swords, and but we've turned them into fat little chubby babies. Yeah. So this fat little baby didn't show up to Mary and say, "Do not be afraid, Mary," because if I saw that, I would <laughs> no. This warrior of light. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this warrior of light yeah. shows up. So, well, I hope that answered your question. And um, <laughs> <laughs> just pictures little baby showing up. Greetings, Mary. She's like, don't shoot me with that thing. Yeah, that's why she was afraid. She didn't want to get shot. She wanted to fall in love with the wrong, wrong guy. Yeah, you know, if, what if he shoots her? Like Cupid. Well, I think you're getting Cupid, and <clears throat> so I'm gonna move on <laughs> to uh, this uh, this next question. I think I don't think we can un- unpack it. Well, let's just, can, just can you help throw us, it out there. Can you help us understand predestination better? And technically, we have a minute and a half left in this. Uh... Okay, so I'm going to share something really quick with predestination, and, and then if we have time for this third one, let me know. Okay, predestination is the idea that I think we need to scrap our cultural understanding of predestination. The essence of predestination is that you are dead. And you cannot move yourself into life, okay? Mm-hmm. And so if you think about it this way, you're not sick, so you don't, need to, you don't reach out to Jesus. You know what I mean? You're dead, which means that Jesus needs to be the first mover in your spiritual journey. Um, that he has the, the John, John 6, 44, um, Jesus says, nobody comes to me unless the Father draws him. And that word draw is actually the word used for dragging, like a dragnet. And so nobody comes to Jesus unless the Father drags him to Jesus um, because we're that depraved in mind, body, and spirit. And so um, now that being said, the Bible also says very clearly God desires none to perish, all to have eternal life. 
you know, God says that, you know, uh, it, it has other sections of Scripture make it sound like it's a choice. And so Charles Spurgeon said this, and I think this is a really, I think you need to approach it with mystery, all right? And so Spurgeon says that the free will of man and the predestination of God are like two train tracks that are parallel, okay? And we know parallel tracks don't intersect. Mm -hmm. But if you look from a perspective and the train tracks go on for miles in one direction, when you gaze down, when you, do, when you draw perspective, it looks like they come together. And so the idea being that somehow in God's, um, in God's world, which is far more complicated than ours, these things go hand in hand. And so it doesn't benefit to over-systemize and just say, well, I don't like that, so I don't, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Steve, our elder, has often said that, you know, the, when you look outside the pearly gates, it says, whosoever will may come, which is true. And if you walk through and you turn back and look at the gates on the other side, it says, chosen before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think the idea is that embrace the mystery. It's not your job to figure it out. Um, there is obviously the fact that you are spiritually dead. You were dead in your sins. So God has to be the one to initiate the move. Um, and, uh, and, and so just embrace the mystery of it. But don't, it doesn't benefit for you to be like, well, is my brother predestined? That's not your job to figure yeah. that out. And when you think that way, you're trying to be God. Let God be God. You know, you just make disciples. You know, you just make Jesus your cause. Mm -hmm. Make Jesus your cause. I mean, that, and, and that's what Jesus clearly commanded us to do. Go and make disciples, love your neighbor, teach them to obey, right. baptize them. He didn't say, figure it out if your brother's Only go to the elect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not what he said. No, it's not what he said. That's not in the... Uh, that's not in the... It's not, not even in the KJV. Nope. Nope. All right. You want to take a crack at this last one? All right. When is Jesus... <laughs> will, when will Jesus come back? Will Jesus come back after everyone on earth has had a chance to hear the gospel or just when it's his time? Um, obviously, you're going to have different answers on this. These that, are some heavy These are yeah. some heavy questions, and I feel... These are could, all from one group. And you're doing good. Uh, you're, you're answering them... You're answering them better than I can even speak. Succinctly. Succinctly. That's the word I was looking for. So when will Jesus come back? Okay, we don't know when Jesus... We don't know the, the, the day or the hour. We, we can know the times and the seasons. Um, you know, I think we could suggest that. Um, will he come back after everyone on earth has had a chance to hear the gospel? Matthew 24, 14 says, This gospel will be proclaimed in all nations, and then the end will come. Um, it will be proclaimed in all nations, and then the end will come. I don't know if that means that everybody will hear it or it will be proclaimed in every nation. We don't know if that means that it has to be proclaimed specifically by us or if God in his divine mercy will do something else. I mean, there is uh, th this idea in the book of Revelation of, of an angel sent out with a gospel to proclaim. So in the last days, will God in his mercy... Um, you know, do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's not my job to figure it out. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. Um, will he come back when it's his time? Yes, he will come back when it's his time. Um, not when it's my time, when it's his time. If it was my time, I'd want him to come back today, which is why God's people are commanded to eagerly long for his return. I will say this. You have to remember that God's timeline is not our timeline. God is not, his ways are not our ways. He's outside of our box. And in 2 Peter 3, 
it says very clearly that you are called to hasten the day of his return. And which, so, which means what? What is that? So it, what it means is that it is our responsibility to have him return sooner, right? And so you say, well, how can we return sooner and have it be, okay, this is what we know. Um, God is sovereign. You are not. God is big. You are not. God, in his divine sovereignty, has placed a burden within hearts to share the gospel. And as they share the gospel and people respond, they hasten the day of his return. But since God is the unmoved mover in all of these things, it is God in his divine purposes that is giving us a desire to hasten the day so the day can be hastened. There it is. And so the idea is, um, will Jesus come back in his time? Yes. And we have an uh, active role, not a passive role in that because in his divine sovereignty, he's moving nations and people to his accomplish his purposes. That's great. I think what you want to think about is make Jesus your cause, love your neighbor. That's right. Read the word, pray, don't fill your day with worry. There's a lot going on. There's nothing new under the sun. That's right. at the same time... Just keep your hand in the plow. Yep. So hope you're encouraged by that. And... um, yeah, don't, don't, it, these things are good to, to learn about, but don't obsess over it. Don't no. let it consume your day, especially not with worry. When they said to Jesus, Jesus wins. Jesus talks for 40 days about the kingdom, and they say in Acts 1, they say, So are you setting up the kingdom now? Yeah. So after 40 days of Jesus teaching it, and Jesus says, It's not for you to know, but you wait for the Holy Spirit and then go make disciples. And so don't worry about that. Don't get all distracted. Just make disciples. And then when Jesus comes back, if you're making disciples, you're not going to be ashamed. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Got to stretch after all that. That was heavy. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. All right. Well, welcome back. We are now looking in. And uh, every week so far, we've been given updates on the book club. And this week, uh, Wednesday night, we are doing uh, our hermeneutics class. But for the first two weeks, Steve gave us an overview on the history of uh, of the canon. And that's what we talked about last week. And uh, and we talked about the history of the English Bible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was, it was very cool. And uh, I think for me, the biggest thing I took away was Breton said something on Sunday morning uh, a couple months ago about, you know, the pride we have in our American history and how we, you know, we know the history of George Washington and, and the uh, Revolutionary War and, you know, Paul Revere and, and all that. And we know so little about, church you know, history. our church history. Yeah. And, uh, so Not revolves history. No. Well, that's... The church, the global church. The global church, you know, and... And learning about um, Tyndale and the sacrifice, literally gave his life to be able to have the English translation yeah. of the Bible. And, um, you know, so the Bible that we have sitting on all of our phones and, you know, bedside tables was a, a man and several men yeah. were, were burned at the stake yeah. to have that gift. And that was really crazy. And we have to convince people to read it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I think that was my big takeaway. Just really having this bigger appreciation for, for the English Bible and and what Mm -hmm. was given, given for that. Yeah. It was really neat. I would really encourage you guys to, uh, 
chase Steve down and get a copy of his notes. We actually have some extra copies at the church, and Steve uh, wrote it out as like almost like a uh, blog. So, I mean, you could read it and get a lot out of it. Yeah. Steve should have like a church history podcast. Yeah, maybe, maybe if we get some sponsors lined up. Yeah. You know? This sponsor is brought to you by Erasmus. Very nice. Church history, bro. I like that. So uh, Bill is going to be starting this week hermeneutics, which yeah. is a fancy pants word for studying the Bible. Yeah. And we at Revolve do most of our study out of the ESV Bible. Mm-hmm. English Standard Version. English Standard Version. Can you give me a couple sentence overview of why, you know, going from yeah. Steve sharing with us how we got, you know, the... The sure, English sure. Bible, King James. and So um, the reason that we use the English Standard Version is because uh, we think the English Standard Version is accurate and readable. So if you think of like an XY chart, you know, which looks like a right angle, mm-hmm. um, an XY chart on the, the Y axis or the vertical post there has to do with something called accuracy or formal equivalence. And then on the uh, X axis, it would be readable. And so the goal is to have something that is both readable and accurate. If you do a XY axis, so it goes up at like a, a perfect 45-degree um, angle, that's typically called dynamic equivalence. And that has to do with something that strives to be readable and accurate. And that would be things like uh, the NIV. The NIV is readable and accurate. And the NIV is a very good translation. Um, but the NIV over the years has compromised a little bit in certain areas, specifically related to um, the way they um, present some issues of gender. Um, but the English Standard Version has been pretty strict. So when I was in seminary, basically, uh, we all used the New American Standard Bible, and which has, hadn't been updated since like 1974. They just re-updated it in 2020, but I don't like the changes. Um, so in English, the English Standard Version was just coming out in 2001, and the ESV was an update of the 1971 RSV, Revised Standard Version, which was basically um, like a British version of the King James. And so um, that was an extension, King James to RSV to ESV. And so the ESV is, is very accurate. It's more on the formal equivalence side, which makes it really good for studying and for preaching. But um, if you struggle with the ESV, I think it's totally because it is like a tenth grade reading level. I think it's. I would. I, I think the New Living Translation that was redone in two thousand fourteen is a great translation, especially for devotionally. And so, like, uh, I have no problem suggesting people to read the New Living Translation devotionally. But I do think if you're preparing a sermon or something like that, then the ESV is a great choice, or the NASB, or the KJV because they tend to, um, because they're more word for word, you, you, you have nuances that you don't see in the phrase for phrase or concept for concept translations, which is the big difference. Word for word, sentence for sentence, phrase for phrase, concept for concept, paraphrase. That would be the spectrum. Great. Um, I think... Sorry, that was not a few sentences. <clears throat> that was not a few sentences, but you can be forgiven. Um, two things I, I want to kind of uh, take from that is uh, one, you know, we're talking about our our Wednesday night classes. These are elder-led classes where we've been uh, doing some deeper dives into some different topics. 
if Wednesday night doesn't work for you, let us know. Um, Wednesday night is kind yes, of a night please. that we that we chose and and has worked, but we know that there's people whose schedules are different. If if a Saturday morning is better, if you know Tuesday night, Tuesday night, uh, please let us know. Um, let us know these things as yeah, we, because as we might switch for a season. You know, yeah. So we want to just make sure we're kind of hitting everybody's schedules and and making these things available for everyone um, as well. And then the second thing is. Um, you know, talking about the Word and the history of the Bible and, and hermeneutics and all these things, I think perfectly leads into something that we want to talk about this week, and that is uh, the, the concept of letting the Word do the work. Yeah. So in our discipleship relationships, we want to let the Word do the work. What would, how, how, would you, how would you define that? Can you give me a two-sentence two definition, or are you going to ramble on for... 20 minutes. Two-sentence explanation of let the Word right, do the work. Four sentences. As since God has primarily revealed himself in his written Word and ultimately in Jesus, we should look to the Word so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to transform us as he illuminates us, illuminates us to the Scripture, convicts us of sin, and transformed us to be more like Christ. One sentence. Man, if I had a Twitter, I would copy and paste that and put it on there. <laughs> I don't, but that was good. And, I, and and so and where we see this in real life is we when we're engaging with people. So someone texted Bill and I this week saying they were having a conversation with a, an uncle or a grandfather or something, and and they were sharing some things that were just unbiblical. Yeah. And instead of getting into an argument, the uncle, the uncle was yeah. yeah. Instead of getting into an argument, uh, this person who goes to our church um, just said, let's read the Bible together and yeah, see where, where that says. where do you says. see that in the Bible? Where do you see that in the Bible? And, and the debate or whatever just, just took a much more positive turn because it was able to just, this isn't in the Bible, so we don't have to talk about it anymore. Right. You know, and... Um, and we, we have to remember in our discipleship relationships, let the word do the work. You know, if you if someone has a problem, don't just give your advice. And you may have good godly advice. Right. It might even be based on the word. It might be based on the word. But if when you can point people to the Bible and say, what does the word say? Yeah. How can you be obedient to this? Well, just for, as an example of this, guys, um, this morning the elders were having a heavy conversation about something, and we asked the question, what Bible principle can we look at? Yeah. Because if you're making a difficult decision, who cares what your thought is? Like, what Bible principle can we point to? Yeah. And, uh, so and just, Steve ha- always has a proverb. He does. It's like he's got it hidden in his pocket. Yeah. And they're always obscure. Yeah, but they're good. Mm-hmm. But they're good. So just you know, just be thinking about that in your discipleship relationships, in your conversations. Whenever you can point to the word, do it. Always point to the word, um, and 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 it also gets you off the hook when you have to say the hard things. Yeah. When you're trying to give someone advice and you're like, "Man, they're not going to hear this," you know. Yeah. Let Jesus tell them. That's right. That's a great. And point, then dude. you say, "Here, you know, read this passage and and let me know how how can you obey Jesus in this." And, uh, and let the word do the work. I love it. So, all right. Anything to add to that, Bill? No, you did a great job. Thanks, pal. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and we are going to see what's going on in the world. 
It's a crazy place out there. All right, well. Welcome back. Wow. I thought I would leave this part in. Welcome back. Look it out. David is going to share about Seed Week. All right. Thanks, Bill. You did a good job. Well, You're I just want to switch roles for a second. You working know? myself out of a job. <laughs> You're doing so good. Man. All right. Well, Seed Week, you've heard us talk about it. What is a seed? A seed is something you throw out. That's it. You throw it out. And you hopefully and you, it lands on soil that grows instead of on like a rock. Yeah. Am I leading this or you? I thought it was a question. I thought you were asking me a question. I didn't no, realize I was it was at, rhetorical. It was, it was rhetorical. I was asking our listeners, what is a seed? Oh, oh. See what I was doing there? And then they're going to think about it. What is a week? <laughs> so Seed Week is a, 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 a ministry that uh, our friend Christian and Elena Vance, uh, they're up in New York, and they lead this opportunity to go out for a week and spread seed of the seed for the gospel. And you're going out and you're sharing your testimony, you're sharing the gospel, you're having hundreds of conversations um, with millions. people. Not millions. Hundreds is probably even stretching it. But I mean, collaborating as a group. A couple hundred as a group. Yeah, as a group. And you're just going out and, and the idea is, is, you know, you're just, you're spreading the seed and... and um, if if it takes root in someone's heart, the missionaries who are there can can follow up, and so you're just going out to kind of spread the seed for the harvest. So yeah, that's a good summary. I mean, you're basically a giant filtering process for the workers. Yeah, you know, because if uh, you can share the if you can share your testimony a thousand times, and if someone's really engaged, then you've just helped those missionaries find someone they can follow up with. Yeah, so. Uh, that's going to be in July, July 11th through the 15th. Uh, a couple things about that. One, uh, we're going to have some people sharing on Sunday who've gone to Seed Week in the past who mm-hmm. was really um, impacted by that. They're going to be sharing, so you can hear some real-world uh, uh, testimonies from that. And second, the Windles have actually offered. This might be the hook that gets everybody to go. They will watch their chil- your children. So if you and Gina want to go to Seed Week. Wow. The window said they will watch your children for you. What about the Camerons? They got a lot of kids. The Camerons. You know, what do if have like is there a threshold? Like what if you have six kids? I'm not I'm not Rick. So <laughs> you know. If you have six kids, Dina will watch them. Rick's gonna go to New York City with us. <laughs> yeah. So um I don't I don't know how the what yeah. the fine print is. No, but that's great. That's awesome. But I think And I, the Payones did that for Rick and Dina last time. They yeah. watched Marilee's. Which I think um, you know, if that is an issue that you want to go as a husband and wife and you have some kids, um the the role of the local church is is to help you. Wow. And we will and we will help you That's somehow. Awesome. So uh, I just think that was a great testimony to the church helping each other out. And also so. for the value that Dina and Rick feel like uh, Seed Week was. Like yeah. the fact that they're willing to watch your kids so you can experience it. It's a pretty powerful testimony. Yeah. If we find out that you went to Cancun oh. while I'm watching your little rugrats. Wouldn't be the first time someone pulled that <laughs> on us, David. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh, that is a whole... Other story. It's another podcast. The what dark, is the dark going, side of Revolve. What's going on in Germany, Bill? Uh, man, I, well, I know we're short for time here, um, and uh, but I just want to give a little bit of update here. So I've been training 
the, I mean, training is a very loose term. We're building a relationship with these four guys, uh, one in uh, Central Asia, Asia one, two in Central Asia, and one, two in Germany. The two in Germany, one is Arabic background, the other one is Persian background. And um, it's just been really good to get to know those guys. Um, the one guy, Michael, who's Egyptian, he's working among Syrian refugees and also Germans now. Um, he started a house church about a month, a little more than a month ago. And he, last weekend, they met outside because it was a nice day. And he said that they had Germans who like came to the balcony and were listening. And they even had some people who came down and participated. Wow. And he's meeting a lot of people in Germany who... Um, are thirsty for God, but not for church. Okay. As they think of church, you know, because they don't. They th- when they think of church, they think of this high church or traditional church, the way we think of church, you know. And like they don't want that, but they are hungry for God. They're hungry for community. They're hungry for authenticity. And so he's been super encouraged. And so keep him in your prayers. Um, our our Persian contact is still waiting on paperwork, so he can. He just transitioned from Greece to Germany as a refugee, and so they're waiting to kind of get out of holding, so to say. And so he's just be praying for them that it happens quickly. His wife is pregnant. I think she's due in like August, something like that. And then our two contacts in Central Asia, um, one in Pakistan, he's a national. And uh, um, just his wife is also pregnant, by the way. But they, he just seems like a real go-getter, and I've been really impressed. I've been impressed with all these guys. Um, but be praying for him because he is a young guy. He's probably in his 20s, really eager about ministry, passing on what he learns. He just texted me the other day and said he was teaching people in his church about uh, Luke 10 ministry and being a person of peace and that they really enjoyed it. He wants more. Um, he wants more all the time. And so encouraged there as well. So I think we should be encouraged as a church that we are, you know, we, and we joked in the beginning about the size of Revolve, but we are a little church that meets on a bar by the water in yeah. nowhere South Jersey, and we have these opportunities to uh, to train other pastors in really remote areas of the world. Yeah, and um, so because of you know your support and um, you know your desire to allow the elders to you know to allow bill to yeah because people know. people could make a big deal out of it, about it and they could be like how come bill isn't visiting me he's doing a zoom with this guy on the other side of the world how come he's not calling me like people could so i just thank you guys because yeah we have a congregation that's super supportive yeah you know and i think and oh, man this we're, we're running out of time but i think we have a congregation that is equipped to do the work of the ministry as well. Yeah. So we can have other people that are typically within a church that might be doing all these other ministries yeah. are being led by by our congregation. So It's I, healthy. Yeah. God bless it. Yeah. You know, keep it going. Keep it healthy. Keep Jesus the cause, David. Yep. Keep Jesus as your cause. If you're looking for a cause, Jesus is the one. He's it. You know? But, um, all right. Action steps? Action steps. Let's do rapid fire. Rapid fire. Okay. Looking up. Read Leviticus 22. Do it. Looking in. You do this one. What's your daily bread? Mm. Share it with others. I love bread. All right. So when you're when you're uh, 
you're discipling others, let the Word do the work. Just get that so daily bread. You read you, the, God put something on your heart in the morning, share it with somebody. Yeah, and you will. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I'll yeah. pray, and I just pray, God, who can I share this with? And, you, and you'll... Frank. It's always Frank. That guy's got so many problems. Yeah. <laughs> if there ever... Is there a Frank that goes to this? That's why I use Frank, because there's not a guy named Frank who goes to But what if Frank shows up? You're going to start saying Tito Mordecai or something. Or something. <laughs> Tito. And Mordecai needs some help. Yep. All right. How do we look out? Um, take a time slot this week to fast and pray for our mission partners. So skip a lunch and use that lunch break to, um, you know, to get on your knees. Open up a psalm. Open up Colossians 1. Mm-hmm. You know, the Colossians 1 prayer is a great prayer. Go to Colossians 1 and pray Paul's prayer over our mission partners. Yep. All right, Bill. Send us out. So final word with Bill. We're wing- this is our new thing. We're winging it. Oh, yeah. So we have, we have different segments. We have the intro segment is... Question of the so day. What's the intro? Oh, the question of the day. Yeah. Question of the day is on the intro. Yeah. We have looking up, looking in, looking out. Oh, I had another. Oh, yeah. Go on. And now we have final word with Bill. Final word with Bill. I thought this would be fun. In my day one journaling app, it tells me what I wrote in previous years. So four years ago, today. I'm going to start fading the music in We right had now. just gotten back from Puerto Rico where we had done a work trip where we were helping um, rebuild and do some stuff like that for people impacted by the hurricane. And uh, and I came back after this super spiritual high, great trip, really powerful time. I thought it was really good just with friends and everything. And in my journal, all I'm talking about is how instead of coming back, you always think you're going to come back and be like on cloud nine. Yeah. I came back and I was the biggest jerk to my family. And in my journal, I'm just talking about how I you preached a sermon in Spanish. I was grumpy in this trip, and I was yelling at everybody. And so, what this is the principle? You need to realize that mountaintops are great, but there's always a valley afterwards. Yep. And so I had we had that great experience, but uh, you know, and then I came home and reality set in, and I was just a grouch and a grump, yelling at my kids, yelling at my wonderful wife, and it was like the day after her birthday or something like that. Unbelievable. Yep. And so. Um, yeah, that was four years ago. Flashback, flashback, outro. All right, well, give us a give us a a, a summary. Make get, Jesus your cause, people. Make, make Jesus, Jesus your cause. cause. Um, in that moment, I wasn't making Jesus my cause. I was making comfort my cause. And because I was making comfort my cause instead of Jesus my cause, I snapped at my family. Make Jesus your cause.